0: Hey guys, Ed from Paranormal Inc, Ohio. Back at it again with another podcast episode, guys. Guys, I'm sorry if I cough and I hack throughout this podcast. Um, I'm still battling a cold. I'm getting over it. I'm feeling a lot better. But still, I like that (coughs) or that may happen throughout this. So I apologize, guys. But I think I got a pretty good episode for you guys tonight. I want to do... Since we've been doing, like, the history of witches and werewolves, I went ahead and I looked up the history of vampirism. Vampires. Um, (coughs) Oh, sorry. Hollywood would want you to believe that they're blood-sucking, you know, demons that come from the night and they drink your blood or they want you to believe that they fall in love with a human and they go on so on and so forth with that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. But we're going to talk a lot about the history of vampirism, the history of vampires. That way you guys can get, you know, a little gist of everything. So, only a vampire can create another vampire. So logic tells us that the history of vampires begins with a single vampire who created the others. Much like the chicken and the egg argument, we had little insight into how the first vampire came about until recently. The answer lies in the scriptures of Delhi. Specifically, in the collection of writings known as the Vampire Bible. The first vampire started out as not a vampire at all, but as a human man named Ambrosio. He was an Italian-born adventurer who fate brought to Delphi, or Delphi, in Greece. Which I'm going to touch base about little bits and pieces of that now as we're talking about it. So... Excuse me, guys. Again, I'm trying to keep my coughing down. So, but in a nutshell, a series of blessings and curses transformed this young man into history's first vampire. Specifically, it began with the sun god Apollo, who in the fit of rage, cursed Ambrosio so that his skin would burn should it ever touch sunlight again. Ambrosio's bad luck followed when he ended up gambling away his soul to Hades. The god of the underworld. The next curse came via Apollo's sister, Armides, the goddess of the moon and hunting, who made it so that Ambrosio's skin would burn if it touched silver. The blessings came soon after, when Artemis, taking pity on the poor young man, gave him the gift of immortality. He would carry his curses, his skin burning by sunlight or silver, but he would live forever in his current form. Not only that, but Artemis also gave him the speed and strength to become a hunter, whose skills were second only to her own. Bloodsucking, which by the way is called hematophagy. That is a huge word, guys. I wrote it down. Uh, I can see it. Hematophagy? That is a word that I just can't say, guys. (laughs) So I hope you understand what that is, just in case you were curious is also included in the Blessings. In the vampire original story, Ambragio hunts swans and uses their blood as ink to write love poems to his lady, Selene, while this may be considered a little creepy by our standards. It wasn't all that unusual in ancient Greece to make do with what you hunted. So, coming with all that with Ambrosio, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the first vampire clan, if you will, or like the first set... Of vampires, I know this all sounds kind of crazy, guys. And I know a lot of people don't believe in vampires. Again, I uh, have an open mind. And I don't just dismiss things. I will leave an open mind and I will do the research and I will have an open conversation about it. What I believe and what I don't believe doesn't really factor into this. While I'm doing this, I'm doing this purely for It is a paranormal topic, and it is a a huge cryptic topic, and it's been around for centuries. So just in the fact that this has been around for so long, including werewolves and witches, who's to say it's not real? So, let's go on from there. Ambrosio later moved back to Italy, now as a full-fledged vampire. Legend traces him to the city of Florence where he creates the first vampire clan. We don't know a whole lot about this clan, other than they were most likely willing volunteers, humans who wanted power and immortality, and were willing to trade their souls for it. It was believed that the curse would continue for any vampire, where their souls would remain in the underworld. A.K.A. Hell where they could return to claim them, but then could never leave. From what we know of the history of vampires, the clan grew in size and strength until infighting created something of a civil war within the clan, and many vampires left to form their own clans. What happened to Ambragio and those who stayed with him is largely unknown, though many believe that he still resides somewhere in Florence. So now that we got to the past and what kind of what is documented about real life vampirism, um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go into the fiction, facts, and folklore of vampirism like Dracula and Vlad the Impaler and things like that. So we're going to go ahead and start with that. The most famous vampire is, of course, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Though those looking for historical real Dracula often cite Romanian prince Vlad Tepes, after whom Stoker is said to have modeled some aspects of his Dracula character. The the characterization of Tepes as a vampire, however, is a distinctly western one. In Romania, he is viewed not as a blood-drinking sadist, but as a natural hero who defended his empire from the Ottoman Turks. The vampires most people are familiar with, such as Dracula, are revenants. Human corpses that are said to return from the grave to harm the living. These vampires have Slavic orig- origins. I Can't even talk, guys. Only a few hundred years old. But other older versions of the vampire were not thought to be human at all. But instead supernatural. Possibly demonic. That did not take human form. Matthew Bereshford author of From Demons to Dracula, The Creation of the Modern Vampire Myth, notes, There are clear foundations for the vampire in the ancient world, and it is impossible to prove when the myth first arose. There are suggestions that the vampire was born out of sorcery in ancient Egypt, a demon summoned into this world from some other. There are many variations of vampires from around the world. There are Asian vampires such as the Chinese Yagishi or changshi, Evil spirits that attack people and drain their life energy. The blood-drinking wrathful deities that appear in the Tibetan Book of the Dead and many others. The best way to deal with the vampires, of course, is to prevent them from coming back in the first place. A few centuries ago, in Europe, yes, this really happened... This was often accomplished by staking suspected vampires in their graves. The idea was to physically pin the vampire to the earth, and the chest was chosen because it's the trunk of the body. This tradition was later reflected in popular fiction depicting wooden stakes as dispatching vampires. There was no particular significance to using wood, according to folklore. Vampires, like a djinn or genies, and many other magical creatures fear iron so his iron bar would be even more effective than a wooden stake. Other traditional methods of killing vampires include decapitation and stuffing the severed head's mouth with garlic or a brick. In fact, suspected vampire graves have been found with just such signs. Yes, they really did this. According to a 2012 Live Science article, the body of the woman was found in a mass grave on the Venetian island of Nuovo Lazaretto, suspecting that she might be a vampire—a common folk belief at the time—gravedigger shoved a rock into her skull to prevent her from chewing through her shroud and infecting others with the plague," said anthropologist Matteo Morini of the University of Florence. Other researchers later challenged this interpretation and suggested that the brick may not have been placed in the mouth after all, but instead was one of many bricks surrounding the body that merely fell there after burial. Whether the burial reflected an accused vampire or not, other graves are much clearer. In 2013, archaeologists in Bulgaria found two skeletons with iron rods through their chest. The pair are believed to have been accused vampires, according to an article in Archaeology magazine. Some traditions hold that vampires cannot enter a home unless formally invited in. This may have been an early form of the modern stranger danger, warnings to children. A scary reminder against inviting unknown people into the house if your local villagers neglected to unearth and stake a suspected vampire and he or she has returned from the grave. There are steps you can take to protect yourself. The exact method varies around the world but in some tradition, the best way to stop a vampire is to carry a small bag of salt with you. If you are being chased, you need only to spill the salt on the ground behind you, at which point the vampire is obligated to stop and count each and every grain before continuing the pursuit. If you don't have salt handy, some say that any small granules will do, including bird seed or sand, salt has often placed above the around doorways for the same reason. So, in a nutshell guys, you know, I looked up a lot of stuff and even even way back when when those Salem witch trials was going on, in Europe there was vam- vampirism trials that people were accused of being vampires. They would judge them and they would execute them just like they did the witches of Salem. And around the world when the witchcraft was a huge scare. And it was the same with werewolves as well. That's why I do these um, y- people just I guess back then people had no idea what was what so whatever they thought was bad was just bad and a lot of innocent people were killed just like in the witch trials and the werewolf trials and it's just crazy how people can go into a panic state to where they will kill other human beings because they don't understand or they think something's going on So thousands of people were murdered just because someone said, he's a vampire, she's a vampire. Hysteria broke loose and just everybody went along with it. It went on that way for years until finally people came to their senses and stopped the mindless killing. So that was some of the history of vampirism. Um, I'm going to do other episodes about, you know, other like werewolves and witches and more things even vampires more history and parts of it in future episodes i gave you these couple episodes i gave you the werewolf one i gave you the witch one and now this one to kind of see how you guys like it so if you guys are liking this, please leave a reply on here. Let me know, like, hey, this is cool. We we like this. Keep doing this. And you know, if you guys have got ideas of anything else you want me to do on the podcast, let me know. You know, I'm open to anything. And you give me good ideas, you know, I'll offer for you to come on the show. We can do a podcast together. We can talk about uh, research we did together on it. And you know, I think that would be kind of cool because I want to get to know you guys better, like I do with you know when I'm on Facebook and I'm live. And when I'm on ParanormalInkOhio.com and I'm live and I do the hunts and everything like that. So I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode and about the history of vampirism. And of course I'm going to do my spiel guys, so here we go. You can go to ParanormalInkOhio.com, there you can hit the main business page. You can see some old ghost hunts, ghost stories. You can check out our crystal collection and all the powers that they hold You can check out Sage Bundles for all cleansing needs, and necklaces, pins, and bracelets that go along with the crystals, all for purchase there. From there, you can go to Paranormal Inc. Ohio Group, there we talk about everything paranormal, including cryptids, ghosts, demons, werewolves, witches, vampires, aliens, anything you want that is paranormal, we will talk about there. You give me ideas on there, I will make live episodes about them, I will make podcast episodes about them. I'll give you a shout-out or even have you on the show. From there, you can go to Paranormal Inc. Ohio on TikTok and YouTube. There you can check out some old ghost stories and some old ghost hunts. And, of course, you can go to any podcast venue out there to check out the Paranormal Inc. Ohio podcast. Now, every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night at 10 p.m. is a podcast episode. A new podcast episode. Every Thursday night at 10 p.m. we are live for a paranormal discussion. Every Friday night for Fear Friday at 10 p.m. on Facebook, we are live again for Fear Friday. There we go to an in-depth discussion, and I do live hunts on there. So I hope you guys enjoyed all this. I hope you guys are enjoying everything. Please let me know if there's anything I can do or I can change, or if there's any ideas you guys have for future episodes. Again, I tomorrow night at 10 p.m., there will be a new podcast episode. And I hope you guys have a very good night and you will hear me again tomorrow. Thanks, guys.